above all, the NFT and Web3 technology is what drives this experience for fantasy sports players and sports fighters. Yeah. That's what this business is about. It's virtual sports for that purpose. Everything else is just the technology that unlocks it and allowing ownership in our universe so that we get people more engaged and able to participate in the revenue generated by the league. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. You're the EA Sports, DraftKings, and now SimWin. So we're going to just... It's going to be a conversation and I have a lot of questions. And as I go through this whole Web3 world and as it relates to gaming and sports and esports, I'm fascinated by all of it. And someone like yourself with your background, there's a lot that we can learn from it. So I'm excited to spend some time with you. When we look at SimWin and we think about what you all are building there, and you're going to have the digital sports league, fantasy football, and I love the sports metaverse. And I'm trying to understand this a little bit. So let's talk about it. Like, explain this to me, like, very basically, so what you all are building. Sure. Simulate Sports builds virtual sports leagues 100% for the purpose of driving 24 7, 365 fantasy sports and sports betting opportunities. So the user experience is that you'll tune in to watch an experience that looks a lot like Madden game or an NBA 2K game but you can play fantasy sports against it. There's no off-seasons. There's no nights off from stars. There's no pandemic interruptions. There's no labor disputes. None of that stuff. Always available, which is really significant because fantasy sports and sports betting is the largest entertainment sector in the world. They combine for about $500 billion compared to video games, $200 billion and movies, like $120 billion. So a massive opportunity, but sports only operate about 40% of the time. As a matter of fact, the NFL itself, specifically here in the U.S., the NFL is only operating 4% of waking hours, which is absolutely incredible. So the fact that David and I have had multiple businesses you know, across EA Sports, across fantasy sports and sports betting startups that we've done in the past, and that was kind of always the stopper, is that this is the last segment that isn't on-demand, bingeable, and always available to watch in any way you want, like Netflix, Spotify, you know, any other entertainment sector. Yeah. When you think of, and you talk about fantasy sports, you know, I've been involved in fantasy sports and just sports in general for a long time. And I've noticed for the last, I'd say many years that fantasy sports has gotten stale in some ways, right? It's been the same thing over and over. And now you bring in DraftKings and FanDuel as an aspect to say, okay, that changes some stuff a little bit like that. A lot more engagement. If things go, if you draft a player and they tear their ACL the first week or you have some problem, right? You see people disengage. And then there's so much content out there that it's become like you're just regurgitating what someone else's rankings have become as far as fantasy sports is concerned. So like DraftKings changed the game a little bit, right? It upped it and said, oh, maybe this keep it interesting. And I'm not saying that's how most people felt because obviously the influx of people into fantasy sports is just next level, right? It's funding so many things that's going on with that league and, and sports in general. 
But what I see that you all are building at Simwin, like it's taking it to like that next level. Like, again, this is the future, perhaps. You're nodding along with me. You seeing the same thing, feeling the same thing? Absolutely. I feel that way. You know, in the same way that technology has progressed, you know, from web one, right, was just like going online to look at catalogs. Right. Web two was really about communicating and attaching fans to brands. Web three is about ownership. And that's where Simlin Sports really, really lives. In the same way, fantasy sports have gone through a very similar transition. Original season, traditional season long fantasy is very much about social connections, right? Like I play in games that are $25 season long contests, and I get way more benefit, way more excitement out of winning that $25 contest than a $5,000 contest against a bunch of people I don't know. Because it's about competition and camaraderie and shit talking throughout the season. DFS changed that. So DFS being available every single day, kudos to DraftKings and FanDuel and all the champions of that, available every single day, and much more about the financial transaction than the social interaction. It's a way to engage, especially before sports betting was legal in many territories in the States. It's a way to engage, it's a way to be involved and have an excuse to watch basically every game that's on. Any game that I'm going to sit down and watch, I can get a little bit of action on and be that much more interested in it. Yeah. With us, not only do we extend that capability, we are not competitors to FanDuel and DraftKings. We augment their experience because we make that experience available 24-7, 365. So... One of the biggest challenges as the former CMO at DraftKings, one of our biggest challenges is when Super Bowl ends, where do we move them? Can we get them into golf? Can we move them into basketball? Baseball's right around the corner. You want to keep that player engaged throughout the year. But inherently, when you get to know these players individually, they all have a single sport because most of them, you know, the vast majority of like the big players are not necessarily huge sports fans. They're statisticians. And so all their algorithms and all their acquired knowledge over the years typically is involved or is anchored to a single sport. So how do I move them into multiple sports? With Simlin, because we are always on 24 hours a day, they can stay in their primary sport as long as they want. And then you bring in the NFT side of things and the Web3 side of things, and you can actually own pieces of this metaverse beyond just your DFS and sportsbook play, which is a whole other interesting wrinkle that will appeal to a completely different audience. Oh, yeah. And I want to touch on a lot of this. And you bring up community. It's funny when you talked about that story about that you had more fun in the $25 league. There's a fantasy hockey league that friends I grew up with playing. We don't pay any money towards that. And that's the best league that we have that I'm a part of. It's that because there's a community aspect to that. And that's hard to replace. And that's where Web3 so much is built around communities. Like you all have a Discord group, right? And so you go in there and you see those communities. You see the the support that people give to one another. The excitement when Magic Johnson's announced that he's going to be an owner in Simwin, right? In a franchise. And that community is such a big aspect of it. Because when you lose that, it's like in a traditional fantasy football league, like people are afraid to make trades, let's say, because they don't want to be wrong or they don't want to be made fun of. And it's, it just kind of loses some of that every week type of element that makes it fun. So I'm with you on all of that on the community side of it. And I'm going to bounce around here because you brought up NFTs and I want to bring it back to the players because, you know, with the NFL, like, you know, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, right? So you could say, okay, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. 
Gabriel Davis, right? You know these players, you can follow them, you can see them, you hear stories about them, you read about them, you study their whatever, you can go back to when they were in college and there's like this backstory and this is a real person that you could see and tell me who are the players because when we get in the metaverse, things change a little bit. And that's something people have to get used to. You know, no different than if you play, obviously, EA Sports, if you play Madden. Well, if you play Madden with Josh Allen, well, that's Josh Allen. And you can kind of like mimic who Josh Allen is on the game versus some player that is not a real player. But that's changed too. So I think you see where I'm going with that. Who are the players that are going to be on these franchises? Sure. Simwins Metaverse is full of all original content. So the... Teams do not exist in the real world. The players do not exist in the real world. However, all those stats, and you know, just to give a little bit of background, I worked in video games and real money gaming for 30 years. I was head of marketing at, at EA Sports for a long time. I worked there for 13 years. The founder, David Ortiz, was the head of Madden development for a half a decade. We have been building video games, both of us, for 30 years. So we understand dynamic player progression. We understand how to build these leagues in the most competitive and interesting way. So understanding that background is there. So the players in our leagues are original players. They have not walked the earth. They're not modeled after others, except for the rare cases of our celebrity owners, which we can talk about in a minute. But these players are spread out. And when you purchase rights to an NFT player, we call the purchaser an NFT, a player agent, So when an agent purchases the rights to a single player, they have the ability to train them in the offseason. Anytime they're not on an an active team roster, they have the ability to train those players up. Once that player is drafted, by the way, as soon as the player is drafted, that agent starts receiving a weekly salary for every week that they're on that roster. So they are earning money without having to sell their original NFT asset, which is an awesome mechanic. So they can train those players up. The way they purchase them, they purchase a pack, just like traditional sports cards, and you don't know what you're going to get. So you open it up and you get a player, you get some training cards and things that allow you to train your player. But all of those have different rarity schemes to them. So if it's a common player, then I'm going to need to build them up. But it might be the equivalent of like a Tom Brady that's going to step in right at the top of the league still have the ability to train that player. And the teams then draft them on the teams. The player agent starts earning from that. And then the team takes over the training aspect to decide who's going to get the most focus, the most benefit from their training hours. Wow. Player agent, that's someone like myself. They can get in there and buy this, right? Correct. You buy a pack, you immediately become a player agent, and you can earn real-world cash through our crypto system that you can cash out at any time without having to sell the rights to your player. Where is this on OpenSea? Is this on your own marketplace? We will have our own marketplace. We have not named our partnerships as far as the crypto and NFT components are, but we're having lots of discussions. Okay. And how much would a pack cost? I mean, obviously that's going to change, right? I mean, based on the value and how it does and all that, but do you have a, like to get started? And I think you can tell me, like you had a drop, I think maybe in June, perhaps, or we're looking at that. Where does all that stand and how much would something like that cost? So we have not done a drop yet. We have not announced our pricing, but we're not talking board apes type stuff, right? Like, you know, we want people involved. So it'll be you know, several hundred dollars, but not a tremendous amount. Got it. You know, we could look at sports and you would have 
insight into this because there's Madden tournaments going on, right? And my point in this is like, we can watch a game and say like that Rams-Saints game, like what happened? How does the ref miss that call? Like that was bad. And the other team probably should have won the game, but you know, refs are a part of the game and all that happens. And so like, we've heard of stories of manipulation happening in professional sports and perhaps gaming. And then you get into the metaverse, you know, is it like just people in general, like there's this trust factor that you have to have. And as soon as you burn people enough times, like you're out. And you know, how do you see it from that standpoint to say, well, there could be someone behind it that's manipulating the outcomes and all of a sudden everyone else is going to win. And you know, you heard these stories that were happening with DraftKings and FanDuel, I think as well. So speak on that. Yeah, because we are a real money gaming company, we are very, very sensitive, obviously, to influence from the outside. So just to understand the players are not controlled. There is no on-the-stakes experience for these players. The human input from a team side comes from our celebrity coaches. We haven't really talked about that yet. So our celebrity team owners and coaches include Magic Johnson, Tracy McGrady, Penny Hardaway, LaMelo Ball, you know, just Hall of Fame-level guys across all sports, Mike Singletary, Marshall Falk, Jerry Rice, Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys, it's really high-end level of, of people involved on the ownership side. So what this becomes is it's a coaching simulator in the background. So those people are either hiring coaches or coaching themselves to play against each other. And then the AI players go and execute against that play calling and those strategies there. So we are very much insulated, even more so than real-world sports, to any kind of collusion or you know somebody trying to throw the game because there isn't human input on that level. Our system does not allow coaches to try to tank a game, basically. It will always push towards positive and trying to win. Okay. So it could even be more sound in the ethics behind the game than perhaps what we see, right? <laughs> For sure. And we do a lot of things just to encourage that consumer confidence because we know that's a possibility that people are concerned there. So in our broadcast, we surface a lot of the stats behind the decision-making of individual matchups. So as you know, football is a sport of matchups, right? And finding mismatches and exploiting those mismatches. So when we get to a key point in the game, we'll actually, in the replay, we surface all the decisions that the algorithm checked in order to get that output. So we surface a lot of that information in the broadcast so people understand what they're seeing and why something happened, why a block was missed or why a running back was able to juke out that DB or whatever it might be. And then additionally, because we are on the blockchain, we store all of our results from every single play and every single contest on the blockchain so we can go back and show exactly what happened, every single stat that was checked, every random number that was generated in order to get that outcome. Yeah. When this all starts happening, is it this fall? When are you launching? We'll be launching this fall. We're just heading into our alpha and beta phase. So things are a little bit squishy still as we work through that. But the game is operational and beautiful right now. We'll launch this fall for sure with American football. And then follow that a few months later with basketball, a few months later with soccer. Then we have other sports in the, in the longer term, but those are the primaries on the immediate launch. Pad. Okay. And where would someone watch this? Is this going to be online? Is this through different channels? Yeah. Yeah. It's all right on the cloud. So simwinsports.com will always be available there. And then we do have a non-exclusive partnership with a group called SimulTD, which will stream to 70 million homes, primarily on the Roku network, as well as other places. 
And then we're always looking at other partnerships in both traditional broadcast and streaming. Okay. And I've seen a lot of media come out, right? You have the PR behind it and you have the Discord. Are those the places in your social media, of course, is Discord a place? Like if someone's interested in this, they should absolutely join the Discord to stay up to date or... For sure. Yeah. At Finland Sports, Discord is where you're going to get the most information. Okay. Not also always the most digestible. <laughs> yeah. As the nature of Discord is. Right. But right. Our Twitter is a great source and our website as well. Okay. So these NFTs, so we buy a pack, we have these players, and are these eventually, and I guess maybe this gets more into the metaverse as a whole, is what does that mean? Are there going to be multiple metaverses? Because ultimately, it should be like one metaverse, right? It's not like Facebook has their metaverse and you have yours, and, and maybe you have a different take on all that. But at some point, you envision that these players are going to travel with you to other games, like if you want to, and I don't know how it would work, right? That's not my job to figure out, but to try to understand it, like, I'm going to play Fortnite, or maybe there's certain aspects of this player that I can take with me to the Fortnite game. How are you all thinking about that? I mean, as a digital entity, it's technically possible to go anywhere through partnerships if we were to partner with somebody like Epic. It's not a priority for us right now. You know, it's really just about establishing this league and the ability, because above all, the NFT and Web3 technology is what drives this experience. Or fantasy sports players and sports fans. Yeah. That's what this business is about. It's virtual sports for that purpose. Everything else is just the technology that unlocks it and allowing ownership in our universe so that we get people more engaged and able to participate in the revenue generated by the league. So it's, you know, we're attempting something that's never been done before. And it's a new concept. This is not a VR like walk around in the metaverse and, you know, go to house and those kinds of things. That's not what we're doing. We are a metaverse because we mimic real-world sports and real-world sports leagues from a structural financial model in which teams make money, players make money, all those things. So when you look at a league like you know, the NFL or the NBA, it's interesting because it's a partnership for so many groups, right? The owners got to eat. The league's got to eat. The advertisers and the players got to eat. The stadium owners, the concessions people, like all these people go into the same place and they all get their own cut of the revenue that's generated there. With Finland, we are one place. We own it all. We bring in partners to form new revenue streams through advertising and sponsorship and team sales and all those other things. But it's all under one roof and it's all in a single ecosystem. And that is what a metaverse is in my book. Yeah, I got you. When you first heard, we'll say NFTs, were you like all in? I mean, you have an interesting background in gaming and esports and all that. So I would think like you'd be at the forefront of thinking it, but you're also not a millennial. You know, what was because there's been both sides. Like I hear people saying, well, that's everything. Drop what you're doing and just do that. And there's other people like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. I'm more in the line of like, let's have conversations and talk and learn about it because I'm fascinated. Obviously, I wouldn't be talking to you if I wasn't. But when you first heard it, or what do you think about when I talk about that? Listen, the concept of NFTs and the, and the mechanics, the underlying mechanics are nothing new to video games. We've been doing this for 30 years, right? There's always rarity in skins and weapons and like whatever it might be. What Web3 and NFTs allow for us is true ownership of those. So in traditional video games, I may own this really rare thing, but I can't transfer it. I just get to brag about it really and really only when I'm in that world. With NFTs, it allows me to transfer that asset, sell that asset, profit from that asset, which you know changes the dynamic dramatically. Because I have no doubt that we will have entities out there 
that are buying up a whole bunch of players, training them, and becoming known for the place to go to purchase already established Simwin Sports players. And I have no doubt there's going to be a guy out there that's going to be like, I'm going to build this massive training facility in the Simwin world specifically for the purpose of producing offensive linemen. And whether I'm buying offensive linemen that have already been trained up by this person, or I'm paying that person in Simwin Crypto to train my offensive linemen, go to his school in the offseason before he goes back to the team and kind of juice him up, so to speak, that's going to happen and going to happen quickly. So it's a really interesting opportunity from a community standpoint. So yes, I would say to your original question, the idea of having NFT collectibles, eh, you know, I get it. Like sports cars have been doing it for a thousand years, but unlocking the utility of NFTs, I think is really where the future is and why we're all really excited. I think Simwin does that better, frankly, than anything I've seen. When we talk about a sports game, a metaverse Web3 sports game, other people are trying it and it's like, all right, well, you can go buy this little pop figure looking figure and it's a free throw and they call it a basketball game. Like we're like NBA 2K with all the bells and whistles, but in this play to earn mechanic. Yeah, I see that because I've seen some of these like there's some punks in relation to hockey, right? And they're out there and they're doing that sort of thing and you can own that and they go and and there's a community behind it. Like even there, like on its basic level, like there's a community and people support it and people get excited about it. But like what you're saying to take it to that next level. And, you know, it's fascinating to see the types of people that are getting involved with this because this is like former players, people like yourself that have had a long career. You know, there's a lot of people that are your contemporaries that would say, you know, I'm past that point. Like I'm not even going to scratch the surface of the metaverse and NFTs. And like, that's just weird. And I wouldn't do that. But I think like you're saying, there's this whole utility behind it that it's just missed. And, you know, I think some of it is to do with some people are just over the top, happy-go-lucky about everything about it's perfect when there's just, there's a lot to learn in all of this. But fantasy football was that too. I mean, it used to be done over paper and through the mail and it was confusing. And people were like, why would you play that? Now it's like, you go to a random event or party, they're talking about who's on their fantasy football team and they don't really like football that much, right? But they're engaged in the sport now as a result of it. So it's no different to say, well, I would never have an iPhone, right? Why would I do that? You can't even hit buttons on it. That's silly. And now it's like, well, everyone has that. <laughs> yeah. I like in the, uh, the transition from Web 2 to Web 3 gaming, I liken it to other video game transitions that we've seen many of. For instance, when mobile gaming started becoming prevalent, I was at EA Sports, you know, charged with all the sports, uh, but thinking of Madden specifically. And, you know, the mandate comes down. Like, mobile gaming is going to be huge and it's coming fast. You have to have a Madden experience today. Okay, well, the handsets can't run 11-on-11 simulation football, which is what the Madden experience is. So how do we answer that? And we end up developing this kind of card game that sort of emulates football and has a lot of pretty football pictures and everything. But it's not really Madden football. And, you know, you do that until the handsets can catch up and now they're playing great 11-on-11 football. But that card game ended up becoming ultimate team. Yeah. So my parallel is when you go through a transition like this, you don't always know the end point, but you kind of play bumper bowling, bouncing off the bumpers as people have success in different genres. And you're like, oh, okay, that mechanic works well. How would that apply 
to sports. And you kind of, together as an industry, you refine and figure out what works until you do get to a pretty predictable design philosophy that you can apply to your sport. So we're in the, just like it was in mobile, we're in the very early phases of this. People don't understand the power of utility. And again, I think Simwin is probably the best example out there of deep utility driving NFT. We are not an NFT company. It just happens to be that technology allows us to do what we wanted to do. You know, this company, we've been building this for four years. And it has been on blockchain since its inception. The reason is because of the security of blockchain and the notation, the ability to notate every single play as I described earlier. So from the beginning, we used this technology for its strengths and it's really kind of showing up now as we come to market with a beautiful, you know, super fun experience, but also has all that security that blockchain technology brings us. Yeah. And I want to hop into one big question I'm going to have, and I want to just touch back on the training aspect of it. So when you have this player and you start training them, and you know, I liken it to the days like you look at what Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson are all doing right now, and you see their players going to their offseason training program and they come out looking like different, you know, they're high school athletes. And now they're like, holy cow, this kid's just developed, right? That's that training. Is there an investment that the agent has to make when they're training that player, meaning they're studying crypto? So you can't buy your way to success in this metaverse. But when you buy a pack, when you buy a pack, it comes with a player, it comes with a gym, it comes with a trainer, and it comes with a couple training stations. So those all interact in a single ecosystem. So I might, like if my player is a quarterback, my training cards, my training stations might be like lineman specific. So that means I got to go on the marketplace and either trade or buy or whatever to get stuff that's going to help my player. So it really encourages all that community interaction of moving assets back and forth. Obviously, you can't just go in and super juice a single player. There are caps as to how much benefit a single player can get in any period of time. And by the way, all of those elements, the gym, the trainer, the training stations, etc., all have rarity schemes of their own. Right, So you can get super powerful ones or you can get more common ones. So again, that's all there to encourage this, allow you to interact with your player, number one, but also encourage the community building of trading and buying and all that good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So energy consumption, that was a big question I want to get into. That's such a big topic right now. And there's the storage, the security, the constant tweaking. There's all so many aspects of mining that everyone's you know, some people are like, okay, I'm close to there, but I'm seeing the impact it has on the environment. And I think a lot of people make statements that are very headline based, you know, not truly understanding what's going on. Like the car was invented and all of a sudden gas became a thing and gas became a big problem. So this is technology as I see it, like it's always evolving. There are people working on it, but as you are building out what you're building out, clearly there's going to be, there's a lot of impact. So what do you think of that when we talk about energy consumption related to Simwin? Yeah, I'm probably not the the best guy to answer that because I'm a market guy and not a tech guy. Yeah. But, but I will tell you, and I, to be honest, I don't even remember the terms off the top of my head, but we are on the latest technology of blockchain that is the least power consuming. There's a, like Solana or something like along those lines. We're having discussions of which platform we'll be on, but I'm talking, we, our underlying technology can go onto any platform. I apologize, I can't remember remember the terms, but there are a couple of different ways to code these that are... There's a newer way that is much, much less energy dependent. 
And that's the way that we're taking from the beginning. We know that energy consumption and the environment is, is an important topic in this world, in the general Web3 space. And, you know, we're doing everything to minimize our impact there. Yeah. The athletes that are coming on, you mentioned, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. You mentioned LaMelo Ball. Like, that's one of the current players that you have. And, you know, there's a lot of the players, Magic Johnson. I mean, these are athletes, Tracy McGrady. They have a brand. Like, they're like they're more than just the player, right? There's a lot more to all of these individuals. And, you know, some of them, like, you hear the stories. Like, they were always into gaming. An athlete, that is. And that's this specific player. What was it? that drew it to them. You know, and athletes get involved in a lot of different things from advertising and they're investing in businesses. And just like any investor, like they're not always going to win and sometimes they're going to win big. You know, you hear stories of Kevin Durant and the different investments that he's made over the years. Steph Curry, LeBron James, all these guys. So you're bringing out A-list retired celebrities. You also have an A-list like LaMelo Ball, who's like one of the up and coming rising stars in the NBA. What is it that they're seeing that's getting them excited about it? You know, because there's also former athletes that get involved in all sorts of transactions. It's like, I don't know, you know, like, what are they doing? Maybe they're just trying to figure something out. But this seems to be very specific to the type of athlete you're after. But what's that relationship been like? And really, more or less, what are they seeing that's like getting them to hop on board like a Urban Magic Johnson? Sure. It's obviously different for every player. But, you know, as you acknowledge, listen, Lamelo's the most exciting young player in the league. There's no question. But, you know, guys like Magic Johnson paved the way for this new type of athlete that is becoming a billionaire while they're still playing. Like, that's the new form. Like, it's not an accident that, you know, LeBron and Tiger and all these guys are crossing the billion mark now because they grew up marketing themselves. They own their own brand in ways that Magic really kind of started that whole thing of becoming crossing the line from athlete to business person when they're playing. So these guys understand that. They need to build their following through social media. They need to build their brand from day one. And they're coming in and you know, guys are coming into the league with hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers, even before they start. So first of all, from a business aspect, different things bring them in. But these guys are business savvy and have business savvy people around them. They're always looking for financial opportunity. The fact that Simwin Sports sells teams and we operate so closely to the way that the NFL, the NBA, MLB, et cetera, operate, it's very easy for them to get their heads around, oh, okay, I can make money from advertising. I can make money from NFT sales. I can make money from national sponsors. I can make money by selling part of my team. They can get their heads around that very quickly because it's the world that they've always lived in. The other thing is you'd be hard-pressed to find locker rooms that don't have video games in them. Always, 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 no matter where you go. And, you know, David and I being working in sports video games for 30 years, we know a lot of these guys. We've hired them many, many, many times for other projects, whether that's EA or, you know, I was at Humongous Entertainment with backyard sports, backyard baseball, football, soccer, and all those great classics. And so, you know, I've been working with Jerry Rice for literally 27 years. Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. It's pretty easy to say... You know, with David and I's background, like, hey, this is what we're doing next. And we've got pretty good track record of success. And these guys are always looking for business opportunities. Yeah, that's the trust. And that's where I think when you see that, it's like, well, they're just not showing up because it's just some like, oh, I can throw some money at this idea. Like, yeah, they want to make something from it and increase their brand. But like, there's this trust. And that's so you can envision, like you talked about, like being at EA Sports and working with these players to say, this is something that they want to get involved in. And then you even take a current player that's out there. There's a lot to it because 
Web3 is bringing out like all sides of it. It's like the Wild West in a way. What do you trust? What do you not trust? And, and people are going to get screwed and other people are going to win big and there's going to be a lot in the middle. But that's no different than what you have in the day-to-day life. But it's just so new and fresh. That it's like, what does this mean? And then you see that trust that's there that you built up over these years. And it's fascinating to see your progression being in gaming and then getting into fantasy and then making your way over to this. Like we talked about at the very beginning of how like this seems like this natural progression for yourself and just for the industry as a whole. So it's exciting for someone like myself who's becoming fascinated with it to say, where should we be paying attention? Like, what could we be doing to be, first of all, involved with this, to get in from a, being an agent, right? But also like from the, I don't know if necessarily the media side or just paying attention, right? Yeah. So a couple of things in what you say. Yes, this is definitely kind of a culmination point of all my career experience for all the video game years in EA Sports and Humongous Entertainment, Wizards of the Coast, and moving on to DraftKings. And David, uh, the same way, David started with Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, has been at all every major, you know, Sony Sports, EA Sports, Warner Brothers Studios, but he was also the president of Ivy Poker. So he has real money gaming experience that he's bringing on his own as well. So this is definitely a culmination of our career. And going back to the trust in Web3, it's really less about Web3. Yes, these players trust us because we've known them for a long time. But you know, the one thing I didn't mention previously is that competitive fire doesn't die. Like These guys want to win in business. They want to win in everything. And this is a sports competition. So when Jerry Rice is coaching against Marshall Falk, you better believe like they want to win. Like This is for real. So I know that the trust thing that you were talking about is really from the consumer side. And I think us getting all these Hall of Fame athletes involved builds that trust as well. Right, Magic Johnson is not going to get involved in some fly by night scheme. Right, this man is a long, long time, decades long, very experienced businessman, very smart dude, and we benefit from the credibility that they've already had because nobody cares who Tom Getty is or what my background is or David Ortiz, you know, our founder. But they look at Magic, they look at Melo, they look at all these guys, and they're like, okay, obviously this is legit. Right, right. It's that psychology and you guys have like hit on that foundation of like the competitive spirit that they have to bring them into it and to say like that's the underlying and that's going to be the underlying thing with what we talked about before like it doesn't matter how much money's on the line yeah money increases the odds the stakes are raised but it's like man if you and i grew up together and we're friends and we're competing at just backyard basketball like yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny in my uh, twitter memories just came up. Uh, this old, we used to have the Madden Pigskin Pro-Am. And we did it for three or four years. And it would kick off the Madden season. And it was a flag football game with all these Hall of Fame players and a bunch of actors and stuff too. Super fun event. But that game, every single year, we'd have the guys for like three days. And we'd play golf. We'd be hanging out, going to dinner, whatever. And then game day comes. And it starts out kind of slow. But by about the second quarter... These guys are after it in a flight football game. Like they are on. And, you know, they're all retired, obviously, or they wouldn't be able to play. That competitive fire comes out quickly, especially with these guys, because they all know each other. They played against each other. They've been around each other. Some of them have businesses together. They love the camaraderie, especially, well, every sport, but I'll just use the NFL alumni as, a, as an example. Like there's a lot of camaraderie around these guys. 
that played through the years because it's such a different experience being a professional athlete than anything else in the world. So only they really understand the, you know, the challenges and the peaks of what that life brings. So when they get back together, it's a lot of fun. But again, that competition comes out really quickly and you're going to see it in someone's sports. Yeah. And the talent matters too, because I was thinking about like all these different football leagues and it could be, you know, like I heard a fan controlled football or these arena leagues. And the ideas are, okay, that's cool because we want more football, right? This country's craving football at every second they can get their hands on it, which is obviously what you all are doing. And you're touching on that in a big way. But the problem I notice is the talent matters, right? That's why like the marquee college football, there's just hundred something college football, and then you go down to different levels of it. It's like you want to see that matchup of the best players because these players are going to be playing in the NFL. And once you kind of remove that, I notice fans who are like football, they kind of tune out. It doesn't mean it's it can't be fun and you should be able to play the sport at all different levels. I get all that. But from like a money standpoint, a revenue standpoint of fans showing up and paying attention and watching this game and engaging with the game, it's hard, right? Football's really hard because as the NFL's proven, like if you're down to your third string quarterbacks, as good as those guys are, like if Josh Allen is not playing against Patrick Mahomes, it's like that's not the same game at all. So you have to protect that talent matters. And when you drop down many levels, it's like, well, the quarterbacks just, they drive so much of that sport to where like what you all are building at Simwin, that changes all of that, right? Because it's the gaming experience. It's like, you don't have to tap into how we just, we don't get the NFL players. So we're tapping into level seven of the talent pool. And yeah, that's cool. And it's exciting. And there could be something there, but it's not going to be like this ridiculousness that you guys are all chasing this aim that you have. Yeah. I mean, the fact that with your NFL example, I'll watch a shitty Thursday night matchup. Right. But it's not going to be the excitement of a real premier rivalry matchup. And what's working for us is the fact that general fans can own a piece of this league through the player NFTs, they're going to tune in because they're going to want to see how their players are doing to get better so that they make more money and they can get more invested in the league. Real money gaming, whether that's fantasy or sports betting, those people are going to show up no matter what. Like I was at DraftKings when the pandemic hit and everything shut down. We were doing $20 million a month in handle on Ukrainian table tennis because it was the only live sport that was going in the world. And that just shows you that people that like action, whether it's in fantasy or in sports betting, they want more. They're going to want that. They want a reason to tune into something. So those two things combining are very interesting. And then another piece of it is the actual broadcast and the entertainment value of broadcast. So one of our team owners and partners is Bronze Studios who you may have heard of, like their Hollywood production studio. They did The Joker. They did uh, House of Gucci. They've done the, the latest Ghostbusters. Like They're kings of that world right now. They've been around for six years. And in six years, they got 32 Oscar nominations and six wins. So they are actually charged with our production of what our broadcast is actually going to look like. So this is not going to be Troy Aikman and Joe Buck staring into a lens in suits. It's going to be much more casual, much more fun. And they're working on that now to see how does it differ. You know, it'd be somewhere between traditional sports and esports. And then the fact that we have all these interesting owners pulling them into the broadcast, the fact that there's fantasy players pulling them into the broadcast, it's going to be a very different experience and it needs to earn eyeballs in its own right. So the entertainment value, while assisted by ownership through players or putting money on the games through fantasy 
or sports betting. Those are great reasons that people will tune in for sure and have historically. We know that. But then also we know the responsibility that this has to be fun to watch and it's all right. Yeah. The traditional broadcast to me, that has also gotten stale. And you just mentioned it to announcers. Because I watch it, right? You watch, I have kids and my son's into sports. He likes playing sports more than watching it, but he'll watch certain things. But you see, they can tune out pretty quick. They can go get their highlights on TikTok or Snapchat, or they can go engage or they don't need to sit there and consume a three and a half hour game. There's other ways. And he's, you know, he's got friends that they'll spend a lot of time doing that stuff. And so I was like, well, the traditional broadcast needs to change for this stuff to evolve. And I think that's true. But I also like having this conversation and spending a lot of time learning about what you're doing and other things that are happening with Web3 is to think like, well, maybe that traditional way doesn't necessarily have to change. It's the inception of these new places that can take over to say, well, that's where I can get my fill of that alternate way of consuming sports-related content. I think there's truth in what you're saying. I also think that we'll be a breeding ground for the future of sports broadcast, just in the way that everybody recognizes that broadcast needs to change, that people want to digest it in different ways, not just shorter form, but Manning cast around Monday Night Football, or my guy Nate Burleson's Nickelodeon broadcast, only different broadcasts on the same content. We have the ability, because we're running 12 games a day, 365, in each individual sport, we have the ability to do all that experimentation and figure out what works. And we will vary broadcast based on time of day, marquee matchups. You know, it's going to be different at three in the morning than it is at 8 p.m. Yeah. So just in the way that you tune into an NFL broadcast and it looks like a Madden opening now <laughs> with all the you know blurred out backgrounds and the way they're shifting cameras, like Madden invented that and the NFL followed. And by the way, the guy that, that is mostly credited for that presentation, Mike Young, is part of our team and is, is managing the camera presentation and all that for Simwin Sports too. So I expect that we will be a breeding ground for the future of sports broadcast. I believe it. I saw something you had reposted on LinkedIn. It was some WNBA court and it was Xbox out and the whole thing. It's like, if you want to get my daughter to pay attention to a game, because it's like you tune in these games and they can tune out pretty fast. It's just not interesting. And again, I know this is not just about kids, but just as an example, because the kids are the, they're the ones that are coming up and they're going to be the spenders and the buyers of all this type of content. And then you turn on, like you mentioned Nate Burleson and that Nickelodeon thing that they had going on. I, I thought it was fascinating. I'm like, maybe I'm one of the few, I don't know, but you said a lot of people are thinking this way. I'm like, this is great. Like we're watching this part of it. Because first of all, he brings a ton of energy to the broadcast. So individuals matter. But just the way and, you know, the slime in the end zones and different things is just, it's different, right? We've seen so much of the same thing over and over again. Cause I've heard people say, like, didn't you see this game already? Like, is this an ESPN classic? No, this is live right now. It's like, well, it's just the click the last game you watch, you know? And I get that. I mean, I think there's an element of sports that I always say sports brings people together. I mean, it can alienate and cause friction and cause fights, but it, overall, like, I think it brings people together, it brings communities together. And I think the more that we can do that, to make it more fun, I'm here for that. So what you guys are talking about, what you're doing, but that energy in the broadcast, and I don't disagree. I mean, I'm there with you thinking that this will be a breeding ground to say, okay, what is SimWin doing and how can we apply some of those things to our game? For sure. We've seen it. We've done it in the past. Like it's gonna... <laughs> yeah. I want to touch on real quick. So 
you were there, you were working on EA Sports, you were working on Madden, you were working on NCAA football. The NCAA football one was a big one, right? People were super, they loved that. And then, because that did bring in players that, you know, were in high school and then you recruit them to your college and there's the dynasty mode, right? And that went away and NIL came and now apparently we're going to get it back. And I know you're not at EA Sports. I'm sure you have connections there. Were you there? I think you were, right? When that game went away. And what was that like at EA Sports? Because that was a big one for you all. Yeah, no, I mean, we love EA. We love NCAA football. And, you know, with our relationships with the people that manage the business side of NCAA were some of the best relationships I've ever had in sports. So obviously we were sad to see it go. But the legal ramifications were what they were. Like we were not using player likenesses. We were using numbers and delivering what fans wanted in a digital player that performs somewhat like the teams that they like. But it didn't make sense if we're going to be fined and run through it. We just can't do it. And we said internally from the beginning, I can say this now because the game is already announced, as soon as something like NIL comes along and we're able to license players in, then we'll do that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We just needed that pause. And, you know, it's tough on everybody. And I think having NCAA next to Madden and having two different gameplay styles and all that kind of stuff is really good for video gaming and sports fans in general because the games are played significantly differently. I'm glad to see it on the roadmap to come back. And, but yeah, those were, those were tough decisions, but ones that, you know, it was obvious. Yeah. Those were serious lawsuits, right? That was no joke. And there's not a whole lot that you all could do about making that happen. It's kind of like outside of your hands at that way. When you bring up NIL and we bring up college athletes, because we're talking about training players, are you looking into getting into that world at all and working with collegiate athletes? So we actually have a 50 school or a, you know college or amateur league that runs underneath our ecosystem. So you can't tune in to see it. They're fictional colleges and universities for football, fictional amateur levels for future sports. But what those do is players enter that system as we create them, and then they sim their entire career so that they spit out and develop naturally in normal ways. So that it's not just, you know, the Madden ratings are sitting back right. and saying, okay, this Charles Smith <laughs> is going to be this and this and this. That person does that, but they do it, and then they send them off to college where the AI takes over and develops that player to understand if they're going to be great or common or, or whatever. So we have that system. We do not intend to license players from college or anywhere else. We just don't need it in our system. And frankly, video games, the career modes have shown us that nobody really cares anyway, because you play Madden or 2K after about two or three seasons the stars are out of the league anyway <laughs> and made up players, you know, filling in the ranks and becoming the next level of stars. So we know from years and years of career modes that people are willing to suspend that reality and buy into a system where they don't know names right off the top of their head. Yeah. And I think that you can have these simulations and you can do it in a way that it doesn't have to exactly match the world we see day to day. And I think that, you know, that's why people love fiction or watch these movies. It's like, well, it isn't reality, right? It's not really happening. At the same time, it's it's this alternate universe. It's the metaverse. And to your point, and being having the experience that you have to see that people were okay 
saying, well, this player is no longer in the league and it's this fictional character that's now taken over. And I think to the point about talent, like they can still perform at that level in time, like the other players were. It's like, if we wash it out in the NBA, if the talent wasn't there, it wouldn't work. And they've had different gaps in their time. It's like, well, the talent's not there. So the games aren't as good. As long as the talent's there, the people are going to show up. Yeah, there's an important thing to note in what you said. I think all that's true. And certainly Twitch and eSports have proven that people are willing to tune into a digital experience. The one important thing I'll say, though, is that from a real money gaming side, our statistics need to match up against their real world counterpart. So for instance, in football, we will play an 82 game season because we're filling so much time. But the way we report our stats will be based on 17 game segments, trailing 17 games, so that you can compare it and say, oh my God, this back just ran for 2,700 yards in the last 17 games. That's significant. That's a good performance. So that all the algorithms and everything that you may have developed, your personal knowledge around the sport, on fantasy sports around the NFL or NCAA or whatever, will apply to our contest because of that that data matching. Yeah, because you don't want them running for 2,700 yards in one game, right? And just throw everything off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want anybody to have to sit down and figure out like, okay, in an 82-game season, you know, that means an 8,200-yard season. It's very good. Not legendary, but very good. Like, I don't want to have to do all that. So that's why we'll do that trailing 17-game reporting. Yeah. Well, we talked about earlier, you mentioned Discord group. How do people connect with, and that's probably it, and Simwin Sports website, but where do they connect with you? Where do they learn about Simwin? Simwinsports.com, the Discord at Simwin Sports, and our Twitter at Simwin Sports as well are all great places to keep connected. And we look forward to pumping out. We got a lot more to share. There's a lot more that isn't announced yet. So we look forward to pushing that information out and getting people excited as we march towards our launch. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. This is fascinating. I love this stuff. I could sit here and talk for hours and ask you more and more questions. We can catch up here for a couple of minutes after we hang up. But thank you, Tom. Thank you for your time. And we're excited, man. This is very cool. Thanks, Eric. Love to give you updates in the future as we keep pushing towards. One of my favorite things about our Sports Epreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. CadCM is our content production company. Why content? It's simple. Content brings people together. I've seen it play out over and over, and I want to help others explore and discover this for themselves. The experience is totally worth it. Learn more at CadCM.com. We focus on podcasts and writing one piece of content at a time. It all starts with conversations just like this one.